Sentire Media. We arrived at the airport of Odessa at night. It was 1997, not even 10 years after the fall of the Berlin Wall, and what I saw was straight out of all of the Cold War spy films I had ever seen. A dark little airport with writing in Cyrillic script, which I was only just becoming familiar with after my first year of studying Russian at the University of Parma. Influenced by said films, I was a little intimidated by the stern guard who checked our passports. There were four of us, all Italian, three girls who studied Russian with me and myself. We got our luggage and then made our way out to two cars waiting outside. We were welcomed by the representative of the university where we would be studying for the next month, the Odessa National Polytechnic University. We were taken to the apartment we would be staying in and our landlady came down to meet us. I don't quite remember what floor we were on. It could have been the third or fourth, but... I do remember there were quite a few flights of stairs to go up. Our landlady insisted on helping us with our bags. We tried to be polite and told her not to put herself out. She looked at us with a half smile, flexed her arm and said, Ya Ukrainka. I am a Ukrainian woman. At the time it seemed a bit like an amusing boast. But as we got the opportunity to meet some Ukrainian women over the next few weeks, we understood a bit more what she was talking about. Now, as I watched the tragedy of the Russian invasion of Ukraine unfold in 2022, seeing the images of the young female soldiers and civilians ready to defend their country against an unprovoked invasion, I understand completely. I am not a political analyst. I am not a historian of Ukrainian or Russian history. I am not a poet or songwriter who can give an artistic contribution to the Ukrainians. In short, there's really not much that my voice can add to what has been already said and done for Ukraine. What I can do, and have done, is contribute a part of the proceeds from the podcast to help the humanitarian effort in Ukraine. So... Thanks also to you, dear listener, for your support that is in part going in that direction. Then I can simply share with you my own personal memories of my time studying Russian in Odessa, in southeastern Ukraine. This modest little episode is dedicated to the people of Ukraine and their resistance against an unjust and unprovoked invasion, but also to the Russians who are brave enough to risk beatings and arrest to protest against the war and an oppressive regime. Also, to the memory of those such as journalist Anna Politkovskaya and many others who have lost their lives to said regime.
This episode has been inserted in the Fascism 100 series, which aims to try and learn from the lessons of historical fascism to turn a critical eye onto what is happening around us every day. Indeed, what else could you call a political regime that imprisons and kills journalists and opposers, limits the freedom of assembly and of speech, and starts an unprovoked invasion of a sovereign country? In a certain sense, you could say that Odessa is an Italian town. Indeed, the current day city was refounded in 1794 by Giuseppe de Ribas, the Neapolitan son of a Spanish noble who was in the service of the Tsarist Empire. He gave the new economic and military outpost the name of Odesso, after the Greek colony which had been present in the area but it was later changed under Tsarina Catherine the Great to the female Odessa. The Italian community was very important to the early development of the city. The more than 3,000 strong community were made up of architects, artists, merchants and other important members for the development of the new city. At the beginning, many road signs were in Italian, which was also the language of public administration. As time went by, the Italian community diminished to under 200, but the influence, particularly in the architecture, remains and is visible to this day. Also, do you know the famous song, O Sole Mio? The one that perhaps the English will remember as, Just one cornetto. That one? Well, it was composed in Odessa, supposedly on a bright sunny morning over the Black Sea. Our little band of Italians first discovered the existence of Odessa thanks to our Russian literature professor, Angela Dioletta Siclari. I'm not sure if she's still alive today, but back then she was already a little confused. Indeed, she assigned the book by Lev Tolstoy, War and Peace, two years running as exam material, which meant that the second time round we only had to skim through it, luckily. That's one of those books that you don't easily read in a short time twice. If you add the fact that she and her philosophy teacher husband both did courses on Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov, then that was another complicated book that I only had to read once for two different exams. Professor Siclari told us that if we wished to embark on a study experience, our university had a collaboration with the Polytechnic University of Odessa. Now, our Russian language professor, Zhanna Petrova, led us to understand that she was a bit doubtful about going to study Russian outside of Russia, since Odessa is part of Ukraine. However, Professor Siclari assured us that, 
at least back then in 1997, everyone in Odessa spoke Russian, and indeed, that was the case. The Russian language professor's animosity towards the Russian literature professor, never openly expressed but often clear, thanks to certain little comments, was one of the amusing aspects of our time at university. I really enjoyed those years, I must say. We couldn't really begrudge Zhanna Petrova since we grew quite fond of her eccentric ways. I actually remember the very first lesson, her wild, staring eyes and bushy hair as she aggressively tapped the board she was writing on with those strange squiggly letters saying Zmotrice, Zmotrice. At first we weren't really sure what she wanted us to do and were a bit intimidated by the aggressive board tapping. We only later discovered that she was just telling us to look, look. Anyway, a small band of us, four out of the dozen or so studying Russian at the time, decided that the year between our first and second courses in the summer, we would head to Odessa for an intensive one-month Russian course to study with Professor Lydia Kriptulova, whom we remember fondly mostly for her habit of always managing to trip over things. That brings us back to where we started, arriving by night in Odessa and being greeted and helped by our landlady as she showed off her strength and told us that she was a Ukrainian woman. Now, those words fill me with great inspiration, but you must forgive me if at the time I found them a little bit boastful and amusing. It did not help that the image I have of the landlady is of her leaving the apartment with a toilet seat under her arm. Indeed, for hygiene reasons, she had substituted the toilet seat that she and her daughter used with one especially for us. It was a soft, puffy one filled with some sort of foam that would slowly go down as you sat on it. I have sort of fond yet not so pleasant memories of embracing said toilet seat when, very stupidly thinking I could keep up with the vodka drinking of the Ukrainian girls who had come to our party, I discovered that that was not possible. The interest in hygiene displayed with the change of toilet seat would have been great if it had been extended to the rather numerous population of cockroaches that lived in the kitchen especially due to the fact that it was the kitchen where I actually slept. However, I was never attacked during the night, and unlike Kafka, I did not turn into one myself. I got through it. The fold-out armchair bed, however, was not of the most comfortable, since, although I am not at all a tall person, it was quite a bit shorter than I was, and I ended up having to either sleep curled up or with my legs dangling in the air. No matter what the situation, we really grew to love our little flat. We would spend the mornings at university, studying Russian, drinking Russian chai, tea, at break time, and even getting to know and sing Russian songs, such as a weird one called Skatirtyu, about having a picnic. 
The music teacher would sing it with great enthusiasm as she banged the melody out on the piano, and we mumbled along, looking at each other in embarrassment. Odessa, for a time, was home to the great Russian poet Alexander Pushkin, and we were made to recite one of his most famous poems, which I still remember to this day. Я вас любил, любовь еще быть может в душе моей угался не совсем, но пусть она вас больше не тревожит. Я не хочу. Я вас любил безмолвно, безнадежно, то робостью, то рыбостью, то мин. Я вас любил так искресно, так нежно, как дай вам Бог, любимой, быть другим. I loved you, and that love to die refusing may still, who knows, be smouldering in my breast. Pray be not pained, believe me of my choosing. I'd never have you troubled nor distressed. I loved you mutely, hopelessly and truly, with shy yet feverant tenderness aglow. Mine was a jealous passion and unruly, May heaven grant another loves you so. There was a statue of the great poet himself in Odessa, and we saw it in one of our afternoons when we were allowed to go roaming and exploring the city. One of our favorite places to go was the main tourist streets of Odessa, the, the Deribasovskaya Street, where we would go for our evening walks in the hot summer. Indeed, that summer was a record-breaking one also for Ukraine, with temperatures actually starting to melt the ground beneath our feet and making it a little bit soft. We enjoyed the bustling life of that street and the many cafes and restaurants. I remember one particularly talented waitress who, getting rather distressed with our inability to understand what was going on with the menu, did a great impersonation of a chicken to get us to understand what we were trying to order. Then, of course, there were the Potyomkin Stairs, made famous by the 1926 film The Battleship Potyomkin by Sergei Eisenstein, with the famous scene of the baby carriage bouncing down the stairs. For Italians, the film is particularly famous due to the series of Italian comedy films centered on the rather unfortunate character of Ugo Fantozzi, played by actor Paolo Villaggio, who, after rebelling against the mandatory company viewing of intellectual films, declared, The battleship Kotyomkin is a huge piece of crap. He is then punished by being forced to reenact the scene himself as the baby rolling down the stairs in the carriage. We also learned to get around really quickly using a kind of Uber system that the Ukrainians had come up with way before Uber had ever been thought of. Indeed, although there were official taxis around, if you were walking along the road and saw a car coming along, 
you could raise your hand and if the driver was heading anywhere in the direction you wanted to go, you could negotiate with them to give you a lift for a fee. I must say that in the end, I got quite good at haggling for the cost of transport. After all, we were Westerners, but we were only poor university students. We also got pretty good at understanding where to buy various things. Back then in Odessa, buying and selling things could happen in lots of different places, as well as the normal shops and supermarkets, you could see improvised little stands here and there along the street. Some people may have been selling the lovely Ukrainian varenniki, a sort of stuffed pastry street food you could grab and walk along and eat. Or maybe somebody selling cigarettes, and if you didn't want the whole pack of cigarettes, you could just buy one or two. Otherwise, you could go to one of the official markets where you could buy Soviet memorabilia or pirate versions of Windows 95 for just a few dollars. Odessa was known as a seaport and we got to spend time at the beach as well. One afternoon in particular, we were there with some Ukrainian friends who started playing a kind of catapult game in the water. The idea was that a band of strong, hulking Ukrainian guys would stand around in a circle, and then one other person would stand in the middle, and with their combined strength, they would catapult her or him up into the air to dive gracefully back into the sea, seeing how high they could launch each person. I was asked to try, and, and not wanting to show everyone what a total scaredy-cat I was, I accepted. There was absolutely nothing graceful about my dive. I was catapulted high into the air, arms and legs flailing wildly, only to crash down on my back and slowly sink into the water. The guys were kind enough not to laugh at me until they had ensured that I was okay, then we all had a good giggle about it. Obviously, one of the things which made our stay in Odessa special were the friends we made there. First of all, there was Olga, whom I used to call with the diminutive Olia. There was a special feeling between me and her, but things never really went beyond an afternoon date at the beach and a couple of vague plans of travelling to Crimea together. Perhaps that was for the better. Then there was Paulina, the friendly redhead who would go around calling people Tovarish, comrade. It was due to Paulina that we discovered that back then we could never have passed for Ukrainians. Indeed, one afternoon she took us to visit a museum and the entrance fee was higher if you were not local. Our cunning plan was to send Paulina ahead and pretend that we were also Ukrainian. Needless to say, the plan did not work, and we were asked to pay full price for admission. When afterward we asked Paulina what we had done wrong, thinking perhaps it was our clothes, she answered that it was our faces. She went on to explain that Westerners always look so happy. It was Paulina who accompanied us on our wonderful weekend from Odessa to Kiev using the Chornia Morya the Black Sea overnight train. At first, I ended up sharing a coach with a Dutch guy who had been studying with us at the university in Odessa. 
He was quite a nice guy, but sort of put me off when he took off his Dr. Martin boots and socks and proceeded to spread roll-on deodorant on his feet. He looked at me sheepishly and asked if I thought it was weird. I very politely told him that it was probably better than having smelly feet. We did not do a good job of practicing our Russian and were chatting along in English when we saw a guy who was walking by in front of our coach stop suddenly in his tracks upon hearing us talk and walked in. We were in our early 20s and he must have been in his late 30s and asked if he could come and chat with us in English because under the Soviet regime, he said, he had never been allowed to talk to foreigners and really wanted to. Fearing some sort of scam or kidnapping plot, we felt a bit nervous, but we didn't feel we could refuse. He settled in for the chat. Nothing happened to us at all. He was a really nice guy. And in the end, when he'd had his fill of our conversation, off he went. After a while, my Italian friend Vera came around saying that she felt a bit nervous because she was sharing a carriage with two Ukrainian men. So I went and occupied the fourth bunk in their carriage. We ended up having a really lovely time with them. They were two Ukrainian businessmen who were kind enough to share their meal with us. The only problem being that they weren't drinking water or soft drinks along with it, but straight vodka. Remembering my attempt to keep up with Ukrainian girls' vodka drinking at our party and my embrace of the puffy toilet seat, I tried to drink as slowly as possible and refused their continued offers to have more. After a relatively rough night, due to the vodka of course, we finally made it to Kiev and had a great weekend in that beautiful city where we met some more friends. The last of the friends I remember meeting back in Odessa was a girl whose name, unfortunately, I no longer remember. I simply refer to her as Attractive VJ Girl. That is because she was a VJ on a local music television station and she was the one that hooked us up with some Russian pop music. In particular, I remember a song to this day, 25 years on, Tinyeba, You Are the Sky. Tinyeba, Ayad Zimlia. You are the sky, and I am the earth. I remember that line of the song now as if I were hearing it for the first time, and it always reminds me of the bright colors of the Ukrainian flag. The blue representing the sky, and the yellow representing the fields of grain. A peaceful flag. No blood, no glory symbols, just sky and grain. I have thought very much of Odessa and Ukraine and all the great people we met there as the Russian forces roll into the country, leaving destruction in their wake. I look back at the photographs of those places and the smiling faces of the friends we met there, and although I haven't heard from any of them in years, it moves me. I can only hope that Professor Lydia Kriptulova, if she is still alive, is okay. I can only hope that loud piano-playing lady is okay. I can only hope that our strong toilet-seat-swapping landlady is okay. I can only hope that those who gave us rides to our various destinations are okay. I can only hope that those who sold us things in shops and markets are okay.
I can only hope that those we crossed paths with in our walks along the Deribasovskaya are okay. I can only hope that Paulina is okay. I can only hope that Vijay girl is okay. And I can only hope that Olya is okay. I can only hope that all of the people of Ukraine are okay, in the knowledge that so many of them certainly are not. I cannot imagine, and hopefully will never have to, and hope that my children will never have to, what it is like to live in the face of an enemy invasion. However, there are Italians still alive who do remember. So one last thing I can do is share with our Ukrainian friends our theme music. One of the best Italian songs of resistance from our dark time in history. Bella Ciao, a song about the fight against an enemy invader, a fight for freedom. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. 
our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.